Hello and welcome in. We are back for another edition. It's a bonus edition of the Recruiting Blitz podcast brought to you by Inside Nebraska. I am Greg Smith, Senior Recruiting Analyst here at Inside Nebraska. I am joined once again um, by digital content specialist extraordinaire Jansen Coburn. Jansen, how are you, man? Doing good, Greg. Excited to wrap up this class. Yeah, it's it's time to, to do a, a signing day wrap up. And, and we took a lot of great questions um, from our uh, insiders board, um, our subscribers over there who submitted quite a few questions, um, which is we'll kind of get through here. We got a Q&A section at the end. And we also have some bank that we'll have for our next episode as well as we kind of turn the page to 2024 as well. Uh, but there is a lot to dive into because it has been a whirlwind of a recruiting class uh, for Matt Rule and his staff here for this transition class for 2023. Um, there are 28 um, traditional signees, I guess, uh, 27 high schoolers, one Juco player and Kai Whalen that I feel like everyone forgets about. And then there were also 11 transfers um, that, as Matt Rule said yesterday during his press conference, have all made it to campus. Um, so there is plenty to dive into. So why don't we just uh, jump right into it, Jansen? What first, what's your first question for us to start blitzing through? Yeah, real quick, Greg, I just want to say thank you to all of the people who have been liking our video and subscribing. Yeah. It's been helping us with support and all that good stuff. And thank you to everyone who asked a question. Uh, we have some questions we'll be answering at the end of this video. With that being said, first question for you, Greg, is what is your gut reaction to this class as a whole, both the guys that signed yesterday and in the first signing day? Yeah, I think the, my gut reaction, if I could have to describe this class, um, versatility and speed. Um, I think are the two things that really come together when I think about this class. Like, obviously, and Matt Rule talked about this at length um, on Wednesday that, you know, those track times for him, I think his exact word was it's, it's like a rock to guide him or to lean on once he's if, if you have a little bit of question about guys. But it's also stuff that they're looking for, um, having those verified track speeds. And there are plenty of guys not only that have that are very fast and athletic, and it's not just the speed guys. You've also got guys that throw as well um, coming over in this class class um, is that they think this staff believes that they can take those athletes and then turn them into football players. They can teach them the other things. And if you if you look at it, there is a strong history that this group has of doing that at both Temple and Baylor, um, their previous two college stops. So I think that that speed um, and athleticism is definitely a, a part of it. Um, but then the versatility of the class, you know, when you have a transition class like this and it's as large as it is, I think having a lot of guys that could end up playing um, different spots, depending on how things shake out once they get to campus, uh, is important. So you think about a guy like Jaden Doss, or not Jaden Doss, excuse me, Jalen Lloyd, that could play wide receiver or defensive back. There's a little bit of a battle there between the coaches right now about where he's going to play and you can utilize that speed. Jason Machachok um, from South Dakota had kind of a similar thing on the on the lines where he kind of was told that he was going to be an offensive lineman when he committed. They've talked a little bit about it, and he's already now thinking it's defensive line. And there's a number of guys like that in the class um so versatility and speed definitely the gut reaction to this class now considering all of the guys that they signed who would you say is the single biggest recruiting win for nebraska man it's it's hard not to say that it's malachi coleman um and, and for a multitude of reasons he's the the clear like kind of wins the crown of the highest rated recruit um in the class but he also it's so important for you to when nebraska has those types of players in their backyard 
for them to actually keep them home. Like it, it's just, it makes it because you just, you, while Nebraska high school football talent is definitely on the rise and I've been beating that drum for a few years now, it is better than people think. And I think that this coaching staff has also said that a couple of times, right? We've seen them say that as they've been surprised by the overall talent still that top end talent, like a guy like Malachi Coleman, who's a borderline five-star who going to the all-star games performed well out in Hawaii. When you land a guy like that, it makes a huge difference in your class. And it is a great test case for Matt rules. It feels like because Malachi is now like all in and like, you've seen all the stuff you kind of forget that he did decommit after <laughs> once around the time that Matt rule was hired and then came back into the class. That is a great sign for Matt rule and being able to kind of reel him back in and build those relationships quickly with players. So yeah, for me, it's, it's Malachi Coleman. Now on the flip side of that, who would be their single greatest recruiting miss or loss from the class? Yeah, so here's the thing on that. And it's re it's really interesting because so much has happened in this class and there have been a lot of positives. And this and Zach Carpenter and I, um, our publisher here, we talked about this in our rapid recap video that you can find right here on YouTube as well, is that there was a lot of positive momentum, right? Like a lot of things did go right. But there is a thing that is not necessarily all the way tied into just this staff that I think people have forgotten about, and that's quarterback recruiting. Like, if you go look at the amount of high-end quarterbacks that were not just in this state this year with Zane Flores, but also kind of in the region with Avery Johnson out in Kansas, um, Lincoln Kineholtz, who's up in South Dakota, who ended up going to Ohio State, uh, J.J. Cole, who's over in Anki, Iowa, um, who is, is another kid that Nebraska had on the radar, but just kind of cooled on i guess um quarterback recruiting for the actual 2023 signing class was a huge miss i like i don't know if you're gonna have another are you gonna have another year like this where you have basically was it four four-star kids in the region and driving distance from your campus and you're really not in the mix for any of them like it's gonna be fascinating to see moving forward tracking how those guys do in college but that's definitely a miss again not all on the rule staff obviously and they did try because someone's going to ask in the comments they did try to get back in with zane flores um he basically said thanks but no thanks to nebraska and a whole host of other schools uh because he was solid with oklahoma state now, if you had to assign a letter grade for the job, Matt Rule and his staff did as a whole for the whole class, A through F, what letter grade would you assign and why? I, my gut reaction here says a B plus. And the only reason that we would that we're going B plus because I'm taking the high school class and the transfer hall um, all in one because anymore you kind of have to do that. The the reason why it's not an A or an A minus is because of the two big offensive linemen um, that Nebraska really thought they had one that they actually had committed in Walter Rouse um, and the other Micah Mazuka who they really felt that they had the inside track on um, and thought that he was going to commit here ended up going committing to Florida if they had landed those two guys to go along with Ben Scott, who's going to be the starting center for Nebraska, uh, you would have been cooking with something there. I would have really thought that this offense would have had a much clearer path or cleaner path to taking some real steps forward in year one under Matt Rule. So because of missing those two guys, I've got to knock it down a, a little bit. But it's a good haul overall, especially for um, just having a couple months on the job, coming back to um, college from the NFL game. Also, the, the ranking, Nebraska is for rivals at uh, twenty four and also overall in the country fourth in the big 10 after yesterday um so that's that's good like that's that's a really good start and should make people excited for what can happen in 24 um but we'll get there but yeah I, b plus is where i would go 
Now, with all that being said, are there any holes in this class or positions that they can continue to add to via the transfer portal? Yeah, there's there's two that kind of jump out. Um, defensive line, I, I think, is the first one, and and it, it'll be interesting to see kind of how it, it all plays together. Like how, because I don't count for defensive line, it is very difficult to count on high school players to come in and make an impact for that. Right, as as highly as I think of Riley Van Poppel coming out of Texas for Nebraska, it's going to be really difficult for him to come up here and play as a true freshman, and it's hard to expect that. So they're going to have to address this via the transfer portal, or or and or. They're also going to have to coach up the guys that they have. So they got Elijah Judy out of the transfer portal. I think he'll be kind of a big defensive lineman for them. And he has a chance, obviously, to be right in the mix. But can Nebraska get Ty Robinson closer to his ceiling um, that people believe that he has? Can they continue do the same thing with Nash Hutmacher? Can a guy like Rukon Buckley step up? Um, that Those types of things will be really interesting moving forward. But I definitely think they'll have to go in the portal for defensive linemen. And the other spot right behind that is inside linebacker. Like, I think that they're just going to have to figure that out but it's one of those things and Matt Rule alluded to this in his press conference too about we don't know the final positions for some of these guys right and some guys can slide into that role is there a safety on the team like a Deshaun Singleton maybe that can slide down into that linebacker spot that they like playing sideline to sideline like what happens with a guy like Randolph Kapai right Um, there's a lot there so they've got they'll get a long look at those guys during spring and then in that next transfer period if you see them going heavily after inside linebackers it'll tell you a little bit about you know if it was a hole or not coming out of the side of that now what's the single strongest position group hall that they brought in in this class where did they not miss I don't I do not think that they missed a wide receiver. I, I it's hard to look at that group of wideouts that is coming in um, and think that they because one of the things that jumps out just looking at the group is that it's it's um it's it's varied, right? It's it's got some different diversity to it about body type, skill sets, um, and it's got a mixture of guys to me, like Malachi Coleman, that have very high ceilings, but that also just based on his size and athleticism, should always have kind of a baseline of skill out there as well and I think he could get out there early a guy like Jaden Doss who I think is criminally underrated in this class um, and I think that he he has a chance to contribute uh, fairly quickly but then you have kind of raw guys like a J- Jeremiah Charles who is a 200 meter dash uh, state champion um, in Texas and he also got a guy speaking of speed Bryce Turner coming out of Bay City Texas so you've got some raw guys for Garrett McGuire to work with um, the new wide receivers coach but then you also have some guys um, just in the recruiting class that I think have kind of high ceilings but also higher basements as well if that makes sense and then the tra- and then the in the transfer group as well um with Kemp coming in as well I think that he's a guy that's in line to maybe start for them um playing a little bit of that outside receiver some inside as well I, I think that wide receiver group is deep uh and, and pretty good yeah Greg now who was your single favorite recruit to cover in this cycle I know you got to know some of them and their families personally and then there were some fun ones how the recruiting played out so which one was your favorite if you had to pick one man that's really hard the Boy, uh, Riley Van Poppel is is a really great one. He's probably the best like interview um, in the in the class, um, and, and so he's really great. And so I'll give you two. He's he's really fun. I also always kind of gravitate towards offensive linemen. Um, and Sam Sledge is my favorite offensive lineman in the class, both kind of to talk to because he's a throwback old school kid. He doesn't say a ton, but when he talks to you, he's a nice kid, um, and you can tell that he likes to hit people, which is great for the offensive lineman. Um, and I think he's going to end 
end up being a pretty good prospect as well. I think that he'll, you know, end up being a center down the road for Nebraska. Um, so yeah, those are a couple of guys that really stand out to me. Very well. All right. Should we hop into some Q and a, our very first. Yeah, one? let's, let's do it. I'm excited about right. this. Once again, thank you to everyone who asked a question and you can ask questions for future episodes. And a lot of our questions were for 2024, which we're going to save for the next episode mm -hmm. since this one's more about 2023s. So, and right off the bat, as I look at these questions, most of them are 2024. So <laughs> we'll, we'll take we'll take a couple of those. Um, first one, this person is very confident. They said, when, not if, Dylan Ryla commits, how many four and five star commits will Nebraska sign? And I'm guessing that's hard to put a number on. So I guess I would rephrase, rephrase that question, Greg, and ask you, how would Dylan Ryla's commitment impact the quality of the class? Yeah, I think it is difficult um, at this point as we record on February 2nd to give like an actual number um, on that. And I think that we, but you will be able to dive into that as we get deeper into the uh, to the cycle, probably after the spring game, once stuff, stuff starts to move with the 2024 class. Um, it would be a huge bump if, if, if Nebraska lands the number one player in the entire country. That is a quarterback that has a great personality. He's a really good kid. He's really well known as the number one player in the country generally is. He also happens to like when you're that level of recruit, you just know other high level recruits, right? So he's been on visits to every big time school um, it, it, that's out there. And so what happens is those teams also bring in other big time players. So you get to know them. Then you also have seven on seven. So you get you just get to know a lot of kids. I think that it would be a big bump because what ends up happening is it's not just a yeah, they've got a really high, highly rated player in the class, so that's cool. It's also a trust thing, right? So if you're a kid, say you're Bubba Hampton down in Texas, who, who's a five-star player. Um, he's an athlete that could either play um, wide receiver or cornerback. Um, if you're him, you say, well, Dylan trusts Matt Rule and his staff. Maybe I should give them a second look. And Bubba is a good example, but not because he already has a really good relationship with Nebraska staff, so that helps as well. But that will get the attention of other big big time high level recruits that Nebraska would be going after it, it would be a really big deal uh, because then there's all sorts of stuff for you to sell um, for Nebraska for the 2024 class here's another one from our insiders board and by the way all of these are from the insiders board so thank you to everyone who's a part of that would you agree it seems like our coaching staff came at this recruiting cycle with a very targeted approach rather than casting a wide net that says offer all first and second tier players and see who bites it seemed way more specific than that absolutely in, in one word and and one thing that i think that we're all figuring out about matt rule and his staff is there is there is a plan they will go and execute that plan. And if that plan doesn't happen to pan out, there is a backup plan and probably a plan after that. These guys, they are hardworking, has, has come up a lot, but they are also very detailed and organized. And I think that the reason, though, and it's such a great question, because the reason I think that people are picking up on that level of detail and organization about the offer specifically is that it feels like Nebraska now has an idea of what they're looking for specifically on the recruiting trail. And you hear that when you talk about Matt Rule, talk about the size that they like, or you heard Terrence Knighton talk about that too um, during his press conference recently, but then also some of those track times that they're also looking for. 
And the the big thing is, is that they can go on the recruiting trail and say to kids, hey, we like you because you do X, Y, and Z. And here's how that matches up with a kid that we had at Temple or Baylor or what we saw in the NFL. And that, I think, is a really strong selling point because they have a clear identity of what they're actually looking for, which will then help them look like a more cohesive team once this thing starts going and we get a couple of years down the road. Okay, now this one asks, besides the Stanford offensive tackle, who this person says was our biggest miss in the class, that you thought could join after the coaching change, it seems like we got the majority of the targets we had a chance with. So who was the biggest nice surprise in the class? Man, the biggest nice surprise, maybe, uh, man, if it's because, again, we're combining them, Eric Gilbert was I did, I did not think I knew that Nebraska was kind of in the mix there. Um, I was pretty surprised that Nebraska ended up landing him, especially when you have a kind of a first time power five assistant um, or college assistant in Bob Wager, who came from high school as a, as, a, as a legendary high school football coach down there in Texas. Um, being able to pull that off, I think was a really big deal and it, it can really open up the offense. And we've got a great breakdown of that on this channel as well about how that can work. And I know that people are dreaming of that Eric Gilbert, Thomas Fedoni, two times tight end set. Um, everybody's ready to see that. But I thought that that was a really nice surprise get um, for Nebraska down the stretch here, because th I think that that can be really impactful in a lot of ways going forward. And then who would you say is the biggest sleeper in this class? Man, I, it, my answer to this, to, to, to be totally honest, has changed a couple of times because there are a couple of really good candidates for this. Um, I will, I'll, for this one, I will give you Quentin Ives, uh, the running back out of New Jersey. I think he's a guy um, that EJ Barthel, the running backs coach, has loved at a couple of different stops. Um, he liked him when he was at UConn previously as well. Um, and so I, I think that he's a guy, um, a super athlete kid that scored over a thousand points in his high school basketball career as well. Also, you know, participates in some track stops me if you've heard that before and he's a really good running back prospect um that has some good size to him too and they could either bulk him up um and, and let him be a, a little bit more powerful runner or you can keep him about the size that he is now um and continue to use him in multiple ways either catching the ball out of the backfield or traditional handoffs even jet sweeps um i really like the potential of quentin ives and what, what he could do as a chess piece within this offense yeah, that's all the questions we have for this one. We got a lot of 2024 ones, which we will answer in the next episode. So we appreciate you guys for asking those. But Greg, that's all I have. Yeah, it's been a fun one. This this cycle has been extremely unique um, as we've gone from basically we've had three different coaches kind of go through this cycle. And it's easy to kind of forget that as we started with Scott Frost and what he was doing. And then Mickey Joseph came in and had a totally different plan. And then Matt Rule came in and took it a totally different way. Um, and, and so it's just been a wild ride. I am looking forward to uh, kind of settling things down and kind of being a little more straightforward for the 2024 class. But again, thank you to everybody watching. Um, it's been some really great feedback on the podcast as we've got this thing up and rolling. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel so you can get these videos right directly into your feed. Like this video up, tell a friend as well. Make sure you're checking out uh, Inside Nebraska, nebraska.rivals.com for continued recruiting coverage and more. And we will catch you guys next time.